Welcome to the Six Figure Product Biz Podcast. I'm Carrie, a product-based business coach. I started, scaled, and sold a successful multi-six-figure e-commerce business, and now I love teaching entrepreneurs like you how to start, grow, and scale your dream product business. I'm obsessed with all things marketing, e-commerce, and business, and I cannot wait to share all my secrets with you. I also love all things dogs and coffee. Each week, you'll learn step-by-step tangible strategies to help you scale to the next level in your business, skyrocket your sales and traffic, reach more customers, and gain greater visibility in your business. Because I know you don't want to waste your time or energy trying to figure it out all on your own, but you want the business growth roadmap so you can create a profitable product business that gives you the life you love. Whether you're thinking of starting a product biz or scaling yours, this podcast is the secret sauce to making all those dreams come true. So grab your coffee and your favorite notepad and let's get started. Welcome to episode 139 of the Six Figure Product Business Podcast. Today's episode is such a fun one because we have something totally different as a topic and we have Christine McDaniel, who is the principal and lead business intermediary of the Magnolia Firm, which is a boutique brokerage consultancy helping business owners achieve the perfect exit. We had such a fun conversation and it was fun for me because I sold my product-based business three years ago and it was one of the, I always talk about with my experience, you know, my first business was like my little baby. And, you know, the best thing I could have ever done was to start that. But the better thing that I ever did was sell the business because it's led me to where I am today. And, you know, I'm someone who I definitely have a lot of ideas on new businesses I want to start. And I don't think that's going to go anywhere. But it was really fun to talk to someone who has not only started and sold multiple businesses, but she now has a company where she helps people um, exit their business. And it's just a fun, exciting thing. We had such a fun conversation. And I'm so excited for you all to listen to this amazing episode. So a few cool things about Christine. So again, she is the founder of the Magnolia Firm. Um, She has helped countless women cross the chasm from business ownership to their first successful exit, all without compromising their values or dream outcome. The Magnolia Firm probably upholds a 100% success rate for clients, with most closings coming in at either full asking or over asking price. And after founding, growing, acquiring, and selling 20 plus of her own businesses across several verticals, including cleaning, wellness, beauty, technology, exotic cars, and real estate, she realized that there was a formula behind the perfect business sale and now dedicates her full-time attention on helping others do the same. So she's amazing. I know you're going to love this episode. So if you are in your business and you're kind of like, I wonder if I could sell the business. I wonder if someone would buy my business. How do I get started? What do I do? How do I prepare? Um, This episode is going to be perfect for you. And I have another podcast episode where I talk about like, what what would I do differently if I was starting another product-based business? And I think one of the very first things that I talked about on that episode was I would start a business knowing I was going to sell it where I didn't do that with my first business. I had, I didn't even think about exiting the business. It just kind of happened organically and you know, that's great. But now that I've had a business and now I have my second business now, um, you know, of course we learn a a thing or two and I would a hundred percent not start another product-based business without the intention of selling it. Like I wouldn't do another product-based business unless I was planning on selling it. So this episode's great because Christine shares a lot of tips on how to prepare, what to do, what uh, what sell uh, blah, what sellers, what buyers are looking for in a sale, and then just her experience, you know, work selling her own companies and lots of goodness in between. Um, such a great episode. You better grab a huge glass of wine or something else because this episode is going to get you jazzed up. If you're thinking of maybe selling your business down the ro- down the road, um, you're going to love this episode. So grab a coffee, grab a wine. It's going to be a good episode. So thank you so much for being on the podcast, Christine. I am so excited to talk to you. Yeah, same here, Carrie. Thanks for having me on. And I'm drinking my coffee now, so I will be slurping a little into the mic. But I went to Starbucks this morning and they gave me a nice co- uh, cold brew with sugar in it. So I basically had to dump the whole thing out and I was not very happy. So I just had to run out and get more coffee now. So I'm just drinking my coffee. (laughs) So I'm so happy to have you. Um, We were chatting before the podcast and 
Christine is someone who has like started and acquired multiple businesses and lives in San Diego. So I feel like we have some fun things in common. But the really cool thing is that she is here to talk about selling your business. So I know a lot of people listening have an e-commerce subscription, um, you know, some sort of a product business. And, you know, at some point, you may want to sell your business. And of course, I'm going to recommend that because I sold my business and it was like the best thing I've ever done in my whole life. And there's a lot of reasons why you should sell your business. So anyway, I'm so happy to have Christine here and we're going to talk all things selling your business. So again, thank you so much for being here. Before we start, do you want to just tell everyone um, your, your, you know, who you are, your business and like who you work with? Yes. So again, thanks for having me on. Uh, so my, we just started, I can't believe it's not even been a year yet. So the Magnolia firm, which is uh, M&A firm, business brokerage, um, so I'm a business intermediary. I'm like the, I work strictly on the seller side, which I love. My sellers are amazing and we find them amazing buyers, which is really fun. And a lot of times those buyers are first time buyers and they're unrepresented. So I'm usually st- still holding their hand and helping them through the process, which I love that too, uh, mm-hmm. that I get a lot of joy out of that. And so, yeah, that's, yeah, we're, our team is well, we have great team members and so they're remote. Uh, but yeah, I'm here in San Diego. Nice. What made you, I know we're going to dive into all like juicy things, but what made you want to start this business? Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> so <laughs> kind of like you said, so my first company, I started in 2003 and exited in 2010 and I was still in my twenties. And like, I, I used a broke business broker because I had no clue how to sell a company. And actually I thought you had to use one, to be honest. Um, but that's not the case. Just so everybody knows you could sell your own business. It's kind of like a for sale by owner, like a house. But, uh, so yeah, I used a broker on that one and he was decent. Like I'll never forget calling these brokers and how condescending they were to me. And they talked down and like made me feel horrible. And then I, I finally found a decent one. And so he did the transaction and then moving forward, I was like, well, I could do this myself. I'm just going to use that same purchase agreement and just change the, <laughs> the name of the company. So every exit through that since then, um, I've done my own deals. So I've had a 10 startups of my own. I've exited, um, another 10 companies I've like acquired, rolled up, bought, sold. I did two spas during COVID, which worked out really well. So I flipped wow. those right when COVID ended. Um, cause I'm a wartime general for sure. Like I do best when it's chaos and recessions and like my biggest wins, uh, were companies built during bad times. So I'm all about it. And so, yeah. Oh, so fast forward to last year, a couple of my girlfriends were reaching out and saying, Hey, Christine, can I pay you to consult? I'm listing my company for sale. You know, we know you've done it a bunch of times. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like I love doing that. I love negotiating. And so, yeah, I did. It was like three friends of mine companies, um, like back to back. And then I was like, oh, let me make it official. And so I always wanted an M&A firm, but down the road. And so I'm like, oh, let me check it out. I only need my real estate license in California to be a broker. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. I already have it. I've had it for like ever. I like had it in a file and I just kept it active. So yeah, October of last year, made it official. So we had, we opened in October, we had five closings in the month of December. And to put that in perspective, yeah, the average broker does about two a year. So to do five, I mean, I worked at the holidays, of course, one of the transactions was my own, one of the spas, but it was craziness. And then, yeah, I mean, we've just been like running waiting lists and like kicking butt like since then. So it's been fun. That's amazing. And just, I want to backtrack a minute because just in case people are listening are wondering, when you say you work with, you said you work with the sellers, not the buyers. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're on the sell side. So somebody okay. wants to sell their company, that's who we're representing. Okay. Gotcha. And then do you work with only, do you work with like all business or is it like product, e-commerce, um, anything? Or is there a specific type of business that you usually work with for sale? Yeah, great question. So it's kind of fun because my background in the last 19 years has been like a cleaning company, a luxury car rental company, wellness spas, like so across the oh board. A lot, I know it's crazy. Christmas tree business I had for 10 years. So it was so much fun. <gasps> oh so I, and then SaaS, the software company SaaS. So I have like this, this great background already, but I didn't ever do e-com. So I, so those are the ones where I'm like, oh, I just really, I'm never going to take a listing if I don't know, I can't sell it for mm-hmm. sure because I have a hundred percent closing ratio and I don't want to mess that up. 
But so e-com we're kind of steering away from. We have one right now. It's been a little difficult to sell. However, this these are the businesses that are the best. Um, anything digital marketing agencies, PR agencies, anything remote based. Um, subscription box is super hot. And I know we were talking beforehand. Okay. We sold two already really fast. We have a huge list of people that want one. Um, it, wow. It's because it's like work from home, recurring revenue, um, a fun business. You know, I know there's work on the back end, but it's just like a very great business model and people are excited about that. So yeah, we're, I just had a call today with actually, um, it's a men's subscription box, which would be the oh. first, the others were female, but based. Yeah. So it's hot. Um, so those would be, yeah, I think the recurring revenue in the remote businesses mm-hmm. sell really well. That's so interesting. And of course you're getting the wheels in my head spinning. Cause I'm like, Ooh, I, I don't know. I have so many ideas. Um, do you ever, you're probably going to laugh. Do you ever look on like flippa.com and just like scroll through the businesses and you're like, okay, which one could I buy? Get, you know, get going, sell. I literally do this almost every single day. I'm like a flippa.com addict. <laughs> well, then you're going to really be an addict of, of this other one. Uh, it's called Microquire. Have you heard of it? No, I'm going to read that. Oh my God. It's better Microquire. than Microquire. <laughs> okay. Shout out to Microquire. It's about a two-year-old platform. I love what the guys are doing. They're really innovating. I love Flip It too. I don't it pull the lessons to this. So we we put I use both as the, with my sellers. We list on all these platforms a bunch okay. of but as a buyer, I have a membership mm-hmm. and I'm like, yes, I'm always on my so you know, most women love shoes. Well, I love buying businesses. They're like starting up. So like I gotta, I can't though right now. I'm like way too busy. I so yeah, some nights I'll scroll and I'm like, oh, this business, or it comes across. So I get to see them pre-market, right? So I get to see them before anybody else. So they reach out, hey, I'm thinking about selling. Wow. So some are so amazing. I'm like, oh, I want to scoop this up, but I can't. Mm-hmm. And so I give it to my friends, like, hey, this is amazing. I can't take it on right now. You need to talk to the owner. Um, you guys could do the deal together. If you need my help, let me know. Um, so yeah, that's so funny you do that. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I literally was, I was in Boston recently. My grandmother was like not doing well. So I went to Boston. That's where I'm from. And I was sitting with my friend. I was like, oh my gosh, I kind of want to buy this hammock company. And she was like, what? A hammock company? And I was like, yeah, I found this listing. The price is pretty good. I was like, and I was like literally researching fucking hammocks. And I was like, okay, I have to stop. I cannot buy a hammock company. But uh, yeah, I'm the same way. And I get very excited. And I'm like, my personality is like, I can find something and like 20 minutes later, I'm like all in. I'm like, okay, we're doing this. I'm buying the, I'm buying the hammock company and I will start like looking up domains. So yeah. And there's great, there is really great um, (laughs) resources as far as a book I love is called, but it's called buy then build. It's by Walker Dybell. Um, Again, it's showing the ROI of like Mm. how much better it is to buy a business that's already cash flowing. The ROI is insane. It's more stable than the stock market and crypto and all those guys. It's funny. They're coming out of that and they're starting to purchase businesses now because it's more stable. So it it becomes even more of a seller's market, believe it or not, uh, even if there's recession. Right. And so that's what he's teaching versus starting from scratch, starting from zero, like Mm. all the growing pains, all the lessons learned, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So that's a really great book. Oh, I I just wrote that down. I'm going to buy that. So I just want to ask you a question. So because I feel like this comes up a lot in some conversations I have with some of my clients or like members in my membership group. What, what, like, what are your thoughts? Or if you have anything to share, I'm not sure, like, we can talk about your, your company and like who you kind of work with, what revenue level, just because again, we have a lot of variety of listeners. And of course, people will want to buy or sorry, sell their business at some point. So great to refer them your way. Um, But like what happens if a business isn't making a lot of profit? Like they're maybe one year in, two years in, the profit is kind of low, but they built that brand. They've, they, you know, have the product source, they have systems and, you know, they have some visibility or whatever. Like, does that count for anything in your opinion, if they don't have profit? Yeah. And we just had a meeting. I felt so bad because they were only clearing like 3K a month and that's just not enough. Right. So uh, it's profit based for sure. I think Mm -hmm. first that's your first, you know, pillar you need. And then on top of that is the brand value and the reputation. So I'm like, 
I do more due diligence, I swear, on my listings than like a buyer does. I'm in the freaking chat. I'm in the like Facebook groups. I'm in, I'm reading reviews. I'm reading comments on Instagram. Like, you know, are people happy with the service, with the product? So like I dig deep, but that's value too. I'm going to say, oh my God, this company has five stars across the board and look at the reputation Mm -hmm. and look at their following and look at the brand. Um, and look at the systems. So I build upon that profit, right? Okay. Um, Yeah. And so, and we could be more picky right now just because we're running wait lists. It's like, it's going to be more work for me to take a client on that's not profitable or break even. So versus, and this is the sweet spot. It's 120 seems to be this like magical number of net profit, right? That people want. So maybe they're leaving corporate okay. and depending on where you live, you know, people, they could live on 120 K a year again, depending on where you live. I'm in California, maybe not. Uh, so <laughs> that just seems to be this really magical number of the, if you could hit that prop, net profit and that be mm-hmm. your goal, maybe just reverse engineer it for those listening that aren't there yet. Um, that's great. And then let me speak to this because a lot of people do not know this. Uh, continue running as much stuff through your business as you want. Hopefully IRS isn't listening. <laughs> um, whatever you're running through vacations. I mean, that's, we don't want to pay a lot of taxes. That's what the benefit of being a business owner is you use your business to do these types of deductions, you mm-hmm. know, so people are buying maybe a personal laptop through their business or whatnot, but then when they go to sell, they get nervous before they sell because they're like, Oh, my net profit is so low. There's this thing called ad backs. So we're showing, you know, especially owner operated businesses, smaller businesses. So it's called SDE, seller discretionary earnings. So that, you know, you see the net and then you're like, and then we, we put on Excel spreadsheet and then we're literally very transparent line by line. Hey, this much was spent on personal vacations this year. And this was my personal car. Um, this is entertainment and meals that weren't business related at all. Right. And then we add it to the bottom and then that's the actual SDE that we use. So cash, I mean, I know these are e-com most, most of the people listening are not ever accepting cash, but if you are, please deposit every penny. I know it sucks, but please, because that, if you get a three X multiple, um, like we want that number as healthy as we can. If you're getting like a three, it's three times that right on your exit typically. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh my gosh. I feel like I have so many questions. Um, so that's helpful because I think a lot of people, they have a business, but they may not be super profitable, but they're like, but we've created a brand and we've done all the work where, you know, you said if someone starts from day one or starts from scratch, like you have to do everything. So there is a bit of like that brand equity, but, um, and when you say 120 K profit, is that, I just want to confirm just for people listening, is that yearly profit? Like for the last 12 months? Yeah. The trailing, it's called a trailing 12. Yeah. The last 12 months is great. You know, again, another point I want to make or two points. One is uh, definitely um, two years minimum in business. Like it's very difficult to sell a business that's any younger than that. You know, people need to see a track record of some sorts. So two years, bare minimum. Second thing, mistake I made, I think I did like a social media post on this. I'm always willing to share my mistakes. So clean knowledge, my first company, again, I was in my twenties and I didn't know any better. And like this magical number is like a million, like I want to hit a million dollars in gross revenue. I want to make, you know, I want my business to make a million dollars. And so I was so, and there was a time where I think we're at like six, 400 or 600 K a year. And there was like no, at the end of the day, like my bookkeeper was in, she shows me the PL and it's zero. And I was like, oh my God. She's like, yeah, oh, you're no. spending your, like, I wasn't paying attention to the bottom at all. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, this is like a charity essentially. <laughs> like, oh, everybody else. Oh, no. So, um, so I switched my thinking and that was super game changing. So it's like, what I just care about that bottom line, whatever it takes, mm-hmm. what kind of expenses, like, I got to get that thing really healthy. And that helped tremendously. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And that's what I did with my business. I'm like, when I was thinking about selling, I had found a broker through um, like the one Facebook group I was in. It wasn't even for product-based businesses. It was like this entrepreneur group. And there was this one girl who kept posting. She seemed like a serial entrepreneur as well. She had like multiple businesses, but she was posting like, oh, I help. I sold the subscription box. So I reached out to her and I was like, I'm kind of thinking of selling. And at that point, I was still pretty early on in my business. I don't even know why I was even reaching out to her. Um, 
I don't know. But she was like, you know, you you got to increase your profit. And I was like, okay, okay, cool. And then I came back to her like a year later when I was really serious about selling. And I spent about six, seven, eight months or so just like doubling the F down on profit. Like, And for a subscription box, there's a lot of sneaky ways that you can do that. Like you can give new customers old inventory, which gets rid of old inventory, which is what I did. Um, A lot of different things. But had I not done that, I would have got much less money for my business that I sold. You know what I mean? So I think um, and this kind of leads me maybe like to another question. So when someone and I know that you said you work with people when they're at that, like they're at the very end stage, like ready to go. But do you have any recommendations just on your experience of like if you want to increase profit, how do you prepare your business in advance for that? Like, okay, I'm going to sell my business now. Any tips on like six months, one year before? Or do you have a timeline that you recommend? Yeah, no. And so I, yeah, what you did isn't sneaky at all, Carrie. I wouldn't call it sneaky. That's super smart. Like sell yeah. your old inventory, run promotions, jack up that profit as fast mm-hmm. as you can by any means. That wasn't sneaky. That was smart. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody saying that. Thank so, you. <laughs> um, so most entrepreneurs, I always say this, um, I've never heard this saying before. I think I made it up, but none of us had like enter strategies like we all started our businesses like on a whim at the last minute. We didn't plan. We didn't do market research. We jumped in um, head first. And so it's funny that like so many advisors or brokers or whatever kind of give you a hard time. Like, oh, well, you don't, you don't have an exit strategy. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, I never had like, a, <laughs> like, we're just going, we're moving. So, yeah. you know, it's very rare. I don't even think any of my sellers had an exit strategy. It just, you just, in, especially women, it's just an intuition of like, look, I'm ready. I'm ready to move on. I'm getting a bit burned out. Yeah. That to me, that's the point. The point you, every time I sell a company, cause they're like, oh, Christine, when you decide for some reason, it just ends up being at the five-year mark. I think by then all my systems are built out. There's staff, there's managers on board. Right. I'm like, they're not needed. So it seems to be the five-year mark just naturally. But for me, it's when I start becoming burned out. Like I'm just over mm-hmm. it. I'm just like, oh, I'm not as excited. I'm not getting up before my alarm like I used to. It, because A, it's not fair to your team. B, it's not fair to your clients. So then I'm ready to list. So I don't ever plan that far out. Like I don't, um, I definitely build it to sell like with that in the back of my head, right? Knowing mm-hmm. that I'm not going to keep it forever. Yeah. Um, like even my firm now, like I don't plan on it, you know, we're building it and getting, you know, agents under me and, and whole systems so that eventually I could exit the firm whenever, again, whenever I want, <laughs> whenever I'm, if I get burned out, um, to your listeners, please love it. Wait. So many get, okay. So, so many get so burned out that like the process of selling going through that is like, it's pretty, you gotta be pretty resilient and so like, if you're already over it completely, it's super hard to sell it. And a crazy stat is only 20% of businesses that actually go on market for sale actually sell because by oh. 80% are oh. like, Oh, priced it too high. They're over it. They just shut it down. Um, which is sad. Right. So you don't want to get to that point. Interesting. Um, and I was going to ask you a question as you're talking, I'm just thinking of different things, but like, what if someone so okay so with your businesses like so you're like all right i'm kind of over this i'm burnt out i just want to kind of sell it like what how i i would love to hear your experience of selling businesses so i think you said you sold most of your businesses like through yourself like you just sold them yeah yeah all of them but one <laughs> and so like even what the did... big my big exit where even my my uh, coach um, my mentor was like, dude, get a broker, blah, blah, blah. What's funny is these broke, I would have literally left a lot, like six figures, a lot on the table. Both the brokers were like, Christine, you're never going to get that much. You have $170,000 worth of outstanding gift cards and prepaids. Again, this is a wellness spa here in San Diego. They're like, oh. it's barely worth anything, blah, blah, blah. And like, I literally... Oh took it to market. I priced it high for sure. Cause I'm like, Oh, we'll negotiate. And I love negotiating. So like, and then it sold for full price within five weeks flat, oh. all cash. So I was like, well, SBA oh loan, that's all cash. I know. Are so you I, serious? Yes. Of course. I'm kind of a smart ass. And I sent them both an email like, Hey, like this is what I sold it for. And da, 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 da. But, oh my <laughs> God. Nice but I'm like, I God, 
but because a lot of them will just price you low to unload it quickly, you yeah. know, and it's sad. So no, nope, I did them all. Um, so like back to the wow. prep question, because of course it's not like, like I have to think about it a little bit. So you do start prepping. So there was a lot of cash. There was a decent amount of cash coming in the door back then. Now, like everything's on credit cards. Um, it clean all my businesses, like cleaning company, of course, we're getting cash. The spas, we're getting cash. And you know, I'd sneak in there and grab 100, 200, or whatever, like here and there. But again, every time I did that and you're not putting in the bank, um, it's a th- my, my multiple I sold for was four and a half. So it's like almost five times if I took a freaking hundred dollar bill out, that's freaking 500 I just took out. Why would I do that? Wow. So when I got closer, six months or a year prior, I stopped doing that. And I, I deposited every single dollar, especially the one I just flipped. There was a lot of cash coming in because the old, the owner was like, had a little sign on the counter that says cash preferred because <laughs> she didn't want to pay the 3% in the merchant fee. Um, and so fair enough. So when I took it over, everybody's paying cash, every single dollar I deposited because I knew I was going to exit quick and you just can't, you can't claim that. You can't tell a buyer, Oh, this, they need it. There's no proof. Right. So yeah, that's a big yeah. one. But again, I don't think your listeners are taking cash. I know. I can't even imagine a cash. Biz- I mean, I mean, in some ways I think it's good, but I think if, yeah, if you're trying to sell maybe quickly, it's maybe not. Um, so do you see a lot of people, cause you were talking about like when you get to that point and you don't want, you said people will just close. Do you see a lot of people at that point where like they want to sell, but they just either they don't find a buyer or because I think a lot of times people have come to me and they're like, I want to sell my business. What do I do? And I'm like, well, you have to find a broker. And they're like, well, where do I look? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Freaking Google. Like, I don't I don't know. Like I the broker I worked with kind of came into my lap and she was amazing. And I will be forever grateful for her because she allowed me to sell my business with minimal work on my end, she did everything for me. She was fantastic. You know what I mean? So I was very lucky. I I know that I was lucky. Um, but like, I don't know anything about business brokers. You know what I mean? I've only sold one business. I feel like I'm like a newbie. Um, I need to be where you're at. <laughs> um, but like, do you feel like you see a lot of people that will close instead of selling because they don't know where to look? There's so many decisions and they're like, well, I don't know what to do. Who can help me? Blah, blah, blah. And they just close. There's about 10,000 businesses either shutting per day, either exchanging hands or shutting out. It's like all the baby boomers are retiring out. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, I guess they maybe don't know their options. Maybe they don't think it's worth anything and their family doesn't want to take it over. Their kids most likely usually don't. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you're right. I guess Googling word of mouth, but there's so few people in this world. Like even me, like I don't even have a lot of colleagues and I've been in the business world forever. Like it was hard for me to get like word of mouth broker because there's very few people in the world, you know, that have sold a business that have gone mm-hmm. through the experience. Um, and it's kind of a bummer because you're only going to usually go through it once, maybe a couple of times. So, so mm-hmm. my clients don't have anything that like they don't have a bar to compare me to, right? Because they've never been through the experience before. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I guess, well, I mean, honestly, word of mouth, right? Like find, like getting a referral from somebody. Um, mm-hmm. We could put in the show notes or I'm happy to share. Um, we've got like questions. We have a PDF, like questions to ask brokers and business intermediaries. Yeah, because you'd right. be surprised at the answer. Yeah, so that's a great resource. So people can start with that. Um, for us, our minimum right now is 90K net. Um, so under that 120, so usually we could take a client on if they're at least netting 90. Um, okay. We're usually waiting a wait list. So get on our wait list when you can before you're burned out. Um, but yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so awesome. Um, what kind of like, I would love to hear just what mistakes do people make um, like in that period before they're wanting to sell their business? Is there any mistakes that you see people making like Maybe it could be with like a PL sheet or it could be with like something with, I don't know, people get afraid. Well, if I'm paying myself $3,000 a month, does that count towards the profit? Like, I feel like there's so many questions that people have and things that they may not know about. But yeah, I would love to hear like just any mistakes that you see people making and maybe like what what to do better to fix them. Yeah, I know. That's great. I forgot to add that to the ad back. So like what dividends they're pulling, payroll they're pulling for them. So their own salary, their own pay gets added back, obviously. Um, so that's good. And then mistakes. Well, I just did a LinkedIn post on this, <laughs> um, is professional software 
accounting, whether it's QuickBooks, Zero. You guys, like we had clients that I can't believe we still sold them on spread with this freaking Excel spreadsheet. And like the oh problem with that no. um, is that I know, I know. So the problem, well, one had a word doc with all her expenses. <laughs> it was even worse. Um, oh yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> Gary's mouth just dropped for those of you listening and not on a video. Accounting is like the worst thing. It's like literally the worst part of my business. I despise accounting more than I could possibly sit here and tell you. But what would be worse than QuickBooks is actually looking at a spreadsheet and being like, oops, I forgot to add in that like $10 expense. Like that sounds horrible. All right. Sorry. Keep going. No, you're fine. (laughs) And I've had the same bookkeeper. Shout out to Chris. She's amazing. Uh, I've had her for 15 years through all these different businesses. I I crack her up, but, um, and I hate same thing. No way am I putting stuff in quick and I run QuickBooks. Everything's really clean and organized. Um, but that's a game changer because you're giving the buyer a l- little more like, okay, they have their S together. Like, you know, it's, it, they just automatically will, will give more about like, they'll just trust the company more. Right. Like if yeah. they don't, it's kind of like, okay, what is going on with the financials? Can I trust these numbers? I can't even see a PNL. I can't see a balance sheet, cash flow statement. Um, so we just paid somebody overseas, one of my clients, it wasn't selling. And I was just like, I feel like that's why you know, this, we don't put books or anything. So we outsourced it was like 800 bucks. It wasn't that bad. Um, so it's always an option, but this poor guy had to put three years of all these transactions in. And then we had like a very clean PL and all this stuff to present in the data room. So that's where they go wrong. Another one is where it's wrapped around the owner. So the biz, you're the face of the business. And again, it's not impossible and we've done it, you know, so there's tricks. So like one author to book, so like, yeah, it's your book. It's your face on the book. And then we're like, hey, buyer, we're going to co-author a second version and we're going to put your name on it. So you're getting the credibility, mm-hmm. right? So that's okay. how you dovetail them in. That was a little hack we did. Uh, we've done that a couple of times. And then, and then we, and the other hack, we start stripping them out off the website, off the socials. We get somebody else on the social media as the face, like one of the team members, you just like the relationships the owner has with the big clients. We have to get a biz dev person in in to to take that over. Like we're trying to strip that owner out as much as we can as it's listed. Cause you know, that's how we do things here at the Magnolia firm. I'm like, let's just get you listed. We're going to fix things as the objections come in. So in real time, we're hearing buyers being like, oh, this is a problem. That's a problem. Like I'm getting the objections in real time, which is kind of cool. And then I know what to fix. Okay. So I have to now ask you, and as I'm like typing my questions, as you're talking, I have like literally a list. So what are the buyer objections that people are like? I mean, I'm sure you get a ton depending on the business, but yeah. What are some like normal objections or concerns that a buyer has about a business? Oh my God. They're always the same. This is easy. (laughs) You're like, maybe don't know. Yeah. They're always the same. Okay. First question always, uh, why, wow. If this is such a great company, why and the owner's only working 10 hours a week, why is she selling? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, that's number one. So there always has to be a compelling reason. Obviously the truth integrity is number one. If my client, if they lie, I'll like end the contract. If there's a white, no white lies. Cause the second Mm -hmm. there's a white lie anywhere, uh, then the, they boom, they lose trust. They're going to be like, the buyers gonna be like, Oh, what else are they lying about? So yeah, that's yeah. like a big, 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 it's literally in our contract. You have to initial it that you're going to be like high integrity and no white lies. So, so we're telling them, okay, she works 10 hours a week. And that's true. Like, I want to know the reason she's selling or he, um, I need to know that. And I need to tell these people that, and it needs to be a compelling reason. Not like, oh, I'm burned out and I hate dealing with employees. Like, we can't say that. It's not what we're saying. Like, a lot of them are dovetailed into a new, but they have two businesses. So they're like, hey, I need to put my focus on the new business. Hey, I want to start this new thing in a different industry. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are compelling reasons. I I need the cash. Um, I'm retiring. So, so, okay, that's a mistake, right? Or that's a mistake we avoid. Because again, we're, that's what our firm does is we coach you through all this. Um, another boo-boo, we kind of talk about the bookkeeping stuff. Um, oh, doing big expense. Here's another one. Don't, if you know you're going to sell, you're about to gear up to sell in six months, don't do like big expensive things like a, like a website rebrand. I feel like, I mean, sometimes we can add that back in, we could justify it because then they get the value of the new website. So that one I can justify a lot. But there's other big expenses where it's like, oof, like put that off. Don't do that. Like brand new, like buying equipment that maybe would last, right? 
mm-hmm. and there's going to be value put on those assets anyways. Um, even if it's old, there's some sort of a value attached to that on, on FF&E fixtures, uh, furnishings and, and equipment. So those would be, oh, objections. What other objections um, that I hear a lot? Yeah, it's wrapped around the owner. I hear that a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I think those are the big ones. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. I feel like, um, I think, yeah, like if you, what about inventory? Because like when I sold my business, I this is a good question. Because when I sold my business, I literally had to figure out how in the hell do I pack up three MFN pallets of inventory? I had like seven, 10 grand of inventory. I think it was more than that. I always forget the exact number. It was a lot of inventory. Um, but we kind of negotiated that into the sale price. So like, it, you know, it was fine. But like, what about people's inventory? How does that factor into like profit? Or how do you handle that as like an asset? Yeah. So this is kind of a unique thing I do. And again, it's a seller's market. Like this is these buyers want the businesses. This it is what it is. And this is how I present it. I know it's funny you say that because the sub box we just sold, it was like triple that amount of inventory. I don't even know how many pallets had to go from like (laughs) the East coast to freaking Seattle. Like, and then again, and the buyer paid for that. Ridiculous. I know. I don't even, I met, I met, I keep asking myself, like, how much was that to ship? I'm just curious. And, and she liquidated, she was trying to liquidate as much as she could before that. Right. Mm-hmm. And the buyers knew. And so we were trying, yeah. but like, cause it was like, but again, she wanted them to be prepared and whatnot. So this is unique. What I do, I stayed separate no matter what I'm like, but it's the wholesale number. Right. So it's whatever you paid for that inventory, they're going to, they're going to pay you for it separately from the purchase price. Okay. Could I throw that in? If there's pushback on the full price asking, maybe we throw it in to get the deal done. Again, I haven't had to do that uh, yet, but okay. So they're going to pay you that separate, but let's talk about prepaids. Okay. So you guys run in friggin', you know, you guys are getting people to pay in advance sometimes one year or whatever. We got to prorate that. And then we got to give it back to, we got to give it towards the seller, right? Or the buyer, because that's not fair because they're going to have to fulfill it and you got paid in advance. So yeah. that's a separate number that we deal with. No joke. One of the sub boxes, it literally canceled out do- to the dollar. I've never seen that in my life. So it was perfect. Like they got full price asking cash and then that zeroed out. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> Well, I do a lot of it. So to me, it's like, I know. And that's why I'm trying to like dumb it down a little bit because I'll it. use acronyms and people are like, what are you even talking about? Or it's like, <laughs> it's like, you know, and we could go through the process too, of like LOI to purchase agreement. Um, Cause people don't yeah. understand. Yeah. Buyer. I mean, my sellers are like, they have no idea where to start. They don't know the process. And again, mm-hmm. I love doing this. So it's fun. It's fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to talk about the process of like how, how you work with them and all that. I just have one more question. So because I'm just thinking like, because I had a conversation literally with one of my clients last week, because she's sort of thinking about maybe selling hers. And she, she's talking to like a a potential new buyer. And the new buyer, and I'm not going to say her name, because obviously, I, I I don't want to share personal things, but I'll just like a hypothetical story. But like, so she has a potential buyer. And I guess the potential buyer and her talked about maybe this person coming in and doing a little bit of work for her so she can see the business and get an inside look and then decide if she wants to do it, but she can't buy the business until January. And so I was sort of trying to give her some advice on maybe how that might be very um, tricky, but, but how did, okay. So in one of the objections from the girl was the financing. So that was my question. Sorry. I feel like I shouldn't have rambled on with this story, but the question was about financing because she wasn't sure if she can get a loan and all that. So any tips on like, I don't, I don't even know what my question is. It's just about financing. How did, how does like a seller, how does a buyer figure out financing? Is it always like cash? Is it, is it like loans? Um, I don't know. Talk to me about that a little bit. No. And I would, um, no. So I would never let, we had somebody try to do that. Hey, I want to come in the company for 90 days and see if I like it before I buy it. Like no Mm. way. That's never going to happen. Like, what if they go start their own? Yeah, no way. So we said no to that. So I would never do that. (laughs) Okay. And then, okay, here's how people, so it's called creative financing. So again, we're, we're getting mostly all cash offers, right? But when I say all cash, it means they went and got their own 
they had access to capital in some manner. And I'll go over the ones that are the most common. Um, so home equity. So all these, like all these houses appreciated, especially in certain cities, so significantly in the last five to 10 years that they're able to pull freaking 500K out of the house, right? And buy a business. Um, and then they give the cash to the to the founder. And they even have like working capital left over. So they pull a little extra, they have working capital, they're good. Um, also, um, bank, you know, could line of credits, bank loans. Um, we stay away from an SBA loan. I have not done one, uh, at all for my clients. Cause I had to go through it five years ago and it took three and a half months and it was super stressful. And it's a lot of paperwork, even though as like, as me being the advisor, I get 2% of that loan, which nobody knows this. Like that's like, mm-hmm. like as a, a legal kickback, right? It's legal, but the bank will kick me back 2% of the loan, which is a decent amount of money. But I still like, I want my sellers to sell quick. I'm like, okay, we're not doing SBA. Um, these people can go find capital in other manners. Um, pulling mm-hmm. from a 401k is really cool. It's called the Rob's. But the only, so you're literally your own bank, you're pulling from your 401k without like any penalties. The only trick is that you either have to get laid off, quit your job or be acquired by another company. That's the only time you could pull for this program. So that's kind of a cool one. So those are the main ones. Uh, People are pulling out of Robinhood, out of their stock market. I know it went down, but now they're getting, they're just yanking it out. Right. So Robinhood, you know, their stocks on Robinhood or whatever, the crypto, so those are all the ways. Okay. Interesting. And then my um, seller, oh, sorry, let me, and yeah. then, like, I'm going to talk from <laughs> both perspectives because I'm super like uh, protective of my clients and like, I want the best deal for them. And there's so many deal points that have to negotiate. It's not just the price. It's the training. How long are they going to stand for training? Are they going to do seller financing? If so, what's the term? What are the pers- the interest rate? Blah, blah, blah. So lots of, t- lots of things going on. Um, <laughs> so I always take them one by one. So I will not let my sellers carry back more than 20%. And I tell a buyer that straight up when they start asking, oh, will the seller do 100% financing? And that means the seller gets that gets a massive risk. What if the person runs it into the ground? So I say 20% max, but I'm like, hey, we're getting all cash offers. Like this thing is not like, they're going to pick all cash over your 80%, right? Um, or So that's called seller financing. And that's like a loan from the owner. The advantage is you're going to defer some of that tax liability over, right? To the next two years. I won't do more than two years monthly payments, at least 5% interest, maybe eight. So the owner's getting like a monthly payment. They're getting interest. If they want to buy a house, at least they still have income coming in. So there's advantages, but I don't want to go more than 20%. And then there's something called an earn out where the buyer has to hit, has the business has to either grow or stay the same. And then this person will get their earn out of the difference. Um, I haven't done, I mean, we've done one of those. I kind of steer away from those two, but. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't, and I didn't know, I mean, obviously, like I said, I've, I've not bought a business, but I didn't know that you could do that thing from your home equity. That's very interesting. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm thinking right now. <laughs> yeah. Your house is your bank. I mean, I'm buy yeah. a hammock company tomorrow. Just kidding. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I kidding. love it. No, that's a great, yeah. So. Okay. That's so interesting. And I just have, I want to talk about your process and how you work with people and all that. Um, and then talk about how you can help people. I just have one question though, because I know a lot of people listening, like they may not be ready for your company today, maybe their next business, um, or they can work on growing, but like, what do you, what do you recommend for like the smaller business if they want to sell? Like, are there, are there good brokerage firms for like the small businesses or do you recommend like a flippa or um, micro acquire? Yeah, no. And sorry, on the last question I talked about like, oh, our, our ideal, our side, right? I'm on the seller mm-hmm. side, but then don't like, keep in mind, there's tons of deals out there. Well, they'll take hundred percent seller financing. They want out, they're over it. They'll do that. They'll do, you know what I mean? So like, Hey, go, go do those deals. Like even my friends, like they're kind of like, Oh, your, your listings are more. And again, these are incredible a plus plus companies. They're worth it, Mm -hmm. but they're definitely price higher. And then you're definitely going to have to come in with the cash. So, uh, so I wanted to like talk about both sides. So you can definitely get deals and you definitely do hundred percent financing with some of these businesses because they're over it. Um, so yeah, back up to the little guys. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it flip them. So like finding, and maybe just get a consultant to kind of walk you through it. Right. Cause yeah, mm-hmm. most advisors, brokers, intermediaries, they're going to, cause our fees are high. So it doesn't make sense. You know, we have 
you know, we have a 20 grand minimum commission. So like there, it wouldn't make any sense. Like the person I was talking to today, she went and it was going to list for like a hundred. And I'm like, oof, if you're paying us 20, like, I don't know, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, self list on list, uh, Flippa on biz by mm-hmm. sell. I love biz by sell. You know, I sold yeah. my big spot on biz by sell. That's what's crazy. Okay. Right. I love that mm-hmm. site. Microquire um, in the message boards. So like one sub box, like she got so many inquiries because she was transparent and she's scared. Right. But she's like, I'm going to put this in the sub box, like private Facebook group and got uh, like amazing like responses. Right. Um, So I like that idea. So, yeah, I mean, I would just sell myself. Yeah. I mean, why would you pay? And then again, and we do hourly consulting. So I work with some people where they just come in um, if they need me to just to consult for an hour to like kind of lay out like the way they need to do it and structure it. Okay. Oh, that's so good to know. Um, yeah, I think Flippa, um, I mean, I, that's where I always refer people. I'm like, well, you can always list it there. I mean, someone I know had a candle business and he was just kind of like, eh, I'm over it. And he listed it on Flippa and it was sold like two days later. And like four, five days later, he was like shipping inventory and he was done. It was like, that's really friggin' cool, you know? Um, and yeah, and that platform, those platforms walk you through it. It's really nice mm-hmm. what they're doing. They're just trying to automate such a dated process, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's, this industry is so dated. Nobody's innovated in it. And so it was time. That's why I'm really excited about these platforms doing that. Like, I love that, right? Because it's helping the little guys. Because before it was like, nobody would help them. So I yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, I just have one more quick question. Um, can you just talk quickly about the assets? So like, if I know profit's most important, but what about like social media followers, email list, um, website visitors? How does that like, so for example, my business that I sold, I had 42,000 Instagram followers. I had, I don't know, like maybe like 10,000 email lists. And I don't remember how we worked that into the sale, but how would you... Is that something that you, again, you said you build upon the profit, but do people pay extra? Like if you have a hundred thousand Instagram followers or like something like that. Yeah. You're going to start getting up. Like usually the multiples are a range on the profit. So usually I'm going to bump it up. If I know like reputation, social, huge social following, okay. social following guys don't buy followers. Cause like you see again, that's like red flag. And yeah. I, I find it first and I like confront the person right when I talk to them, I'm like, because they have no engagement. That's how I can tell. Oh, oh yeah. 50,000 followers. But how come you don't have anybody commenting or liking like mm-hmm. that looks suspicious. And so like, we got to fix that somehow. So that kind of stuff. So make sure it's legit. Um, YouTube channel podcast. Like, again, those are great assets and we list them all in detail. We do a detailed slide deck. This is another thing, everybody listening. I don't know why companies, they make these incredible decks when they raise capital, right? Mm-hmm. And then, but when you go to sell your company, they don't, they just put a little ad online and I'm like, oh, why don't you, people are very visual. So we, we do, and this is something else we, we, people pay us like a la carte just to do their deck. Okay. Cause we're really good at it. It's a sales deck. It's like, it's showing like screenshots of your Instagram and your followings and, and all these assets. Um, because, but there's not like a dollar amount value put on them at all. Again, it's on the profit, but okay. again, then I'm going to push it up around the higher multiple. And that's what we're going to justify. Cause I'm like, Oh, why'd you come up with this multiple? And then I start listing all those assets. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's fair. And when you say multiple, um, you, I know you said the average before was three, um, three X. Do you feel like certain industries it's like five X, 10 X? I mean, I don't know. I think. SaaS for sure. Like software, like custom built, like SaaS software as a service, depending on how many people are on, how big it is, could get like way up there. Five, we've even seen 10X, which is great. And that's why everybody wants to be in software, right? Because it's like mm-hmm. massive profit. Um, but okay. yeah, I think when we're talking about service businesses, we're talking about e-com. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's usually sitting around three, it looks like. Okay, cool. Um, so talk about your company. How do you help people? Like anything you want to share about your process, who you work with, like who you love working with, um, anything like that. Cause we want to make sure that we plug you in your awesome company. No, I appreciate that. So it's funny. We're moving up. And again, this is such an underserved. So like our sweet spot, you know, again, we're not even a year in, but the sweet spot was like this 300, 500 K purchase price. 
right? And we're selling them fast and like love working because a lot of brokers are going to pass up on those deals and they want over a million, right? They want to purchase price of a million up. So I was like, oh, I like playing in like this, you know, 300 a million range. But then now we're getting bigger, bigger listings, like 3 million. And they're honestly the same amount of work. And everybody told me that. And I was like, and their books are super clean and like they're super organized because you have to be when you're running a big, you know, company like that. So we're moving up market, but then we're bringing on, so I'm bringing on agents underneath me to where we, cause I still want to serve that smaller market in some capacity. So then my associates can take the listing and I could oversee it. Right. And still, still like play around. So yeah, I would say 300 K is like our bare minimum purchase price. Again, especially if we're charging like our fees, we charge a percentage on the exit. We also charge a marketing fee up front. Um, so yeah, um, depending on the listing, depending on the size of the business, mainly on the size of the business is what it's dependent on. So yeah, I mean, we love, we work with a lot of women, but we also work with men too. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what we do. And when people like, what's the perfect person to like land on your doorstep? And I don't mean like business, but like where they're at. Cause you said before that you work with people right when they're ready to sell, um, and, but you also mentioned that you do some consulting if they want to figure out like the process. So when should someone come to your, to you? Like yeah, at what when they're like, when they're honestly considering selling for sure. Like okay. when they're like when the idea's in their head, right. Cause then I can, oh, at okay. least, I can at least, and it's probably something you probably do with your services too, is you teach growth. Like how do we scale? How do we grow? So yeah. I don't do exit. Like I won't step in as a consultant and, and like do it with them or I'll kind of give them that, that blueprint of like, okay, this is what you need to do. We'll reverse engineer the purchase price. Okay. I want to exit for this dollar. Okay. I'm out. Then we reverse engineer it, but I'm not the one in there. You know, tell them how to do it, but I'm not going to help them do it. I don't, I wish I had time. Um, cause that stuff's pretty cool too. So that's, that's kind of, um, my ideal client. So it's funny. I think when people reach out and they are like, Oh, I'm interviewing Christine and all this, but like simultaneously, I'm immediately like, are they going to be cool to work with? Like, cause it, it is an emotional mm. roller coaster. Even my best deals, like, you know, it is, it is for my sellers. And so I'm like, okay, am I going to get on this roller coaster for this person? Or they mean like out the gate. I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to deal with this. Even if it's a great company, I'll just like politely pass. Yeah. If we're just not on the same. Yeah. You just could tell, or if they're super burned out, I've had some where they're like beyond burned out. They hate their company. They hate, and they use those words. Aww. I hate my employees. I hate this. I hate that. Oh, and I'm like, no. oh because they have to help me sell, right? They're the yeah. salesperson too on these meetings. I'm like, oh my God, they're never going to sell this company because they hate it so much. So those we have to pass on. So yeah, an ideal client is somebody that built a solid, amazing company. They love their company. They love their clients, their employees. They want to hand it off to a, per- a great buyer. And it's not all about the money. So a lot of them, they'll be like, well, I'd re- I want a great buyer and I'm flexible on the price a little bit. Um, it's not like, oh, I want every dollar you know, whatever out of the person. Um, and then lastly, let me talk about this. And again, I'm happy if anybody wants to reach out for this, this video, I think it's five minutes long, um, that somebody did, you know, she's, she's almost like a spiritual advisor slash therapist. She has her PhD. She's amazing here in San Diego. And I had her do a video because I had sellers that were so lost and, and it caught me off guard. Cause for me, I, I don't, I sell a company and I move on to the next, like, I don't, I don't, it's not my identity. It might be my identity to be an entrepreneur. I do believe that, but my companies are never my identity. Okay. But you're talking about women that had companies for 20 years and it was their identity and they had 40 employees, you know, reporting to them and like putting them on the pedestal and all that goes away, boom, gone. And they literally, and again, it's like what you want. Right. But then once it happens, you're just like, oh my God, like it's gone. Like that was my identity. Mm-hmm. That was my life. So she made this great video. And again, I'm happy. I share with a lot of people that are getting ready to sell or just sold like that kind of prepare. You're going to grieve your business. And she talks about it. You, you have to, you're going to have that process of grieving it. Even though again, these sellers are like thrilled. They sell their company. They're like, yeah, I'll go on vacation. I'm so excited. No more employees. <laughs> and then, but it happens and it catches them off guard. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm Did like, that happened to you? No, I mean, okay. A little, a little. Um, I, my, so I considered my business like, so I started my business when my son was six months old. I decided oh, I'm going to start a product-based business cause that's normal. Um, and so I grew that business like while I was a new mom battling like postpartum issues, blah, blah, blah. We're not going to talk about that. 
Um, so the the business, like for me, was an escape from like the mom, the new mom life that I've struggled with very deeply. And so I feel like the business for me, like saved me in so many ways. This sounds really cheesy, but it really did. Like it kind of gave me purpose. <laughs> it gave me like something I could, con- I think it comes down to like control. Like I could control it. And I loved my business. It was like totally part of my identity. I did it for three years. And then I was like, eh, I'm just, I was done. It's weird how that happens. You're just done. And I knew that I would be a little bit sad, but I was like, I knew deep down I wanted to help people start or grow their product-based businesses. So I sort of already had this new vision in my mind and I, you know, worked with a broker. We listed it. We were, we only had a few conversations with people and then we found a buyer and I remember sitting on the couch and I was literally just telling the story to someone the other day. I was sitting on my couch. I can remember the exact position of my couch in the townhouse we lived in Seattle and the ding on my phone came in and it was the escrow payment. And I'm, I've never felt this sense of freedom in my whole life. It was the best feeling I probably have ever had. I felt this, I felt trapped by my business, to be honest with you. And then I got the escrow payment and I felt this like surge of freedom. And then um, me and my husband like went out to celebrate. We went out for drinks and da da da. My mom was visiting. And I felt a little, emo- I feel like I'm rambling. I was a little sad the day that I was packing up inventory, but. I never like I never look back and I now it's been three years. I have zero emotional connection to that business at all. And I was a little bit sad, but like not really. And I always tell people that like, look, be prepared that you might have a very strong emotional connection to your business. But I always like to share my story because I didn't necessarily have that. But that business was like my whole life for three years. And again, I always want to tell people that because People are afraid to sell their business because they're like, well, what would I do? Who am I? Who am I beyond my business? So anyway, long-winded answer, um, slightly grieving process, but not really. I and, and now it's like, I look at my old business and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I built that. That's so fucking cool. I have no other emotional connection whatsoever. The business was like a stepping stone to where I'm meant to be, which is what I'm doing now. So I yeah. love that. Did you screenshot that, you know, once the money hit your account? Did you have a screenshot? No. I mean, I maybe I did. I'll have to go back and look through my photos. I'm I I wonder. I'm gonna go look back now. I don't know, but I just I will never forget that feeling. Like I don't know. And it wasn't like it was it wasn't that much money. It just was like I felt so trapped with my business. And when it that money came through, it was like my ticket to freedom and like just doing my next thing. I don't know if that makes sense, but it totally does. And for me, you know, when I screenshot mine, once it hit my account, Mm -hmm. it was like my first thought. And I have the screenshot was maybe two years prior. I had 17 cents in my business account and my bookkeeper for two weeks straight. And my bookkeeper was like, Oh my God, you only have 17 cents of your, you know? And I was like, I'm like scraping by. And that was my original, like, wow, like I've come a long way. Cause I have that screenshot too. Oh my God. I love that. Did like, how did you feel after you sold your first business Were you kind of like, Oh, I'm sad, but I'm also like, okay. Like, I don't know. I think everyone's different, but so I'm like a parallel, it's called a parallel entrepreneur. So I'm always running, usually I'm dovetailing a second business. Like once we're out of the startup phase, I'll usually start another startup, which is crazy. See, I don't have kids. So like, that's why I have time to do this stuff. So I'm already dovetailed into the new venture. I'm already excited okay. about that. So I don't get sad one bit. I'm just like, okay. And that's what sucked when the one got delayed with the SBA because I was already dovetailed into the brand new venture. And I'm like, oh my God, this took it forever. Like I wouldn't have done yeah. that. Right? And I would never have two startups at the same time. I tried that one. So that was a bad idea. So yeah, no, nope, I never get sad. And my spa, the big exit, which was five years ago, uh, mm-hmm. or no, t- I started it 10 years ago. They're just now having their 10 year anniversary. It's so exciting. So that oh meant God. I had it for five. They've had it for five. I go into the spa once a month. So I still am a customer. And then I just had a reunion. Sometimes the girls will get together that used to work there or that currently work there. So like seven of us went to lunch and like, we're still friends. And yeah, it was, that was a cool company. That one, again, I don't get sad, but it was definitely my favorite. So some, but it's like when you're dating, well, like when you break up, you, you start remembering just like all the good things about the person. Romanticize, (laughs) yeah. 
<laughs> so sometimes I talk to the managers, we're friends and she'll start telling me about the drama there. Cause I'm like, Oh, sometimes I do miss it. Right. Hmm. Um, and she starts to tell me about the, and I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot about all that. <laughs> oh my God. That is so cool. Oh, you're like my new, my new inspiration. <laughs> um, okay. So I feel like I just want to talk a little bit before we wrap it up. I know we're coming, uh, on an hour, so I want to be respectful of your time. Um, when it comes to people working with you, what's the process like? Like say someone comes to you and they're like, here's, I have a product-based business. Um, I'm making a hundred thousand in profit. I have QuickBooks. Everything's up to date. I'm in a good position. I want to sell. I'm not super burned out, but I'm ready to move on. Like, what does the process look like from when they come to you to like, how long is there an average time it takes to, for someone to buy the business? Do they have to do all those calls with the prospective buyers or do you sort of do those? Like, talk a little bit about the process and then we can have you talk about like, you know, how to find you on social media and like your services, which I think we kind of already know, but maybe just a recap. Yeah, no. So yeah, the, the yeah, they come to me. It seems like they're qualified. Um, or they reach out, we know that the very starting point is net profit, right? So unfortunately, right. a lot of the businesses we have to say no to because it's too low. And then so next, if they're qualified, then they do an online questionnaire for us and they book a meeting with me personally. And I'm going to spend 20, usually on Zoom or a phone call. And I'm going to like dig into the questionnaire with them, get to know them a little bit better. Um, and then, yeah, if it's a fit. And again, we're in this spot where it's like, you know, we, yeah, it's, we have a wait list and like, there's all these leads coming in and we're trying to like sort through like the ones that we can take on. Um, so the process would be then they sign an engagement um, agreement and then they put down, you know, the mark, we have a set up a marketing fee of 15 K. So they put that down to like start the process. Cause then we're building everything out. We're building the data room, the decks, all this stuff. And then we're getting that info from you. So it's really probably the only time commitment and we're pretty quick. And most of my sellers are so freaking organized, nothing against men, but like women are like, they're on it. They're like sending me all this stuff. They're organized. So that's pretty quick. And then we're taking it from there. All these inquiries are flooding in. We're asking, answering the same questions over and over. Um, we do have an FAQ sheet in the data room. So that helps a lot. Um, and then they got to have access to capital and super qualified before I'm bringing them on a zoom with the seller and myself. And okay. it's kind of fun. So we're working as a team and I like, we, we do really well, right? I know when there's a good salesperson, they're an entrepreneur, they know how to sell. So, so they're answering the questions and then I'm chiming in. If there's any question that, Oh, we can't answer that. Like, Oh, who's your suppliers? No. Hey, time out. You'll get that list of vendors. Like, you, like, when they close, like, and I'm jumping in real quick. And so I'm like, bad guy. I mean, okay. I'm nice, but I'm still bad guy on the meetings. Cause I'll like jump in. Hey, she's not gonna answer that. Oh, what's your biggest yeah. customer? What's her name? No, we can't answer that right now. Mm. And, or, Oh, that's during due diligence. So that's post-sale and then the negotiation. So I'm boom, right in. I'm like negotiating the price on the zoom if I need to, or we take it offline. Um, or, and yeah, like how fast do you want to close? Like, et cetera, et cetera. And then that's it. So my seller, I'm not bothering them one bit until like we're on those meetings. Those meetings are 30 minutes max. There's no reason why it needs to be more. You know, the buyer already has all the info by then. Uh, well, then we share. If it goes well, then we sh share the full data room. With I don't want to share the financials and all this without like well, speaking and meeting the owner, right? And then seeing if it's a fit on both sides. And then letter of intent is next. So they're excited. They want to write an offer. They write the offer. Um and then, yeah, and then we close pretty quickly. Um, if they want to use escrow, well, we've been using escrow lately, unless it's a super, we had one closed in one day. The guy literally like saw it in the morning. Oh. I got, I got on the phone with him. Then the owner got on the phone with him. And then I said, if you can close by tomorrow, we'll take it. He paid 40,000 above asking. It was crazy. It was oh wild. God. I know. And so, then, yeah, then I go. And so we did not do escrow. He just wired the money the next day because I'm like, well, that's dumb to pay for escrow. Right. I'm, I'm like, yeah. it's up to you guys, whatever you feel safe doing. And, and they, yeah, everybody trusts each other. So, uh, okay. To answer your question, four wow. months is pretty average right now for us. It seems like. We've had one as fast as 21 days from start to finish, which is wild. Um, but like, I, I think, and I, again, once you start moving up market, then wow. it's going to take a little longer, like a $3 million listing. It's probably going to take six to 12 months. Um, yeah. 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 Okay. That's amazing. Okay. Awesome. So tell everyone where they can find you. And again, um, if someone's interested, they're listening to this, they're like, all right, I'm making this much money. I want to sell. 
I want to work with Christine because she's awesome. How, like, what should they do? What's the next step and how can they kind of find you? Yeah, thanks, Carrie. So definitely go to the magnoliafirm.co. So just go to our website. Um, on socials across the board, we're the Magnolia Firm. So we're on Insta, we're on TikTok, we're on YouTube. And I've got a funny character called Broker Bob. So I, I dress up as an old man. I'm a, a broker and saying oh ridiculous God. stuff. It, yeah, it's <laughs> hilarious. I need to, I have a bunch filmed. I just need it. We need to start posting them, but more of them. So it's fun. Um, yeah, you always got to have fun. Well, TikTok, I didn't know how to use TikTok, but I knew you either have to, if you're entertaining, like that's a big, huge plus. So yeah. like, how am I going to be entertaining? Okay. I'll just like make fun of brokers, <laughs> like dress up like an old man. Oh my um, God. I, I love I it. For it. But anyway, <laughs> so that's, so definitely following us on all that because we're definitely going to kick up the social. Again, we were so busy that we didn't do any. So, so to just starting right now, cause I was like, ah, we don't need more clients, like no socials. I don't have time for it. So again, it's nice. We're at this one year mark coming up that I have more freedom. We have the team. So yeah, I think that that's the best way to, to check us out. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was so fun. And it's like fun for, I love talking about selling a business. Um, so this is the first person on the podcast who this is like what you do. So yeah, so super fun, but yeah, thank you so much for being on and I appreciate your time. Of course. Okay. Thanks. Carrie. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you love this episode, please go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and then take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories. Tag me in it at Carrie A. Fitzgerald. My name is in the show notes. Thank you so much and I'll see you guys next week.